Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arnault and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. After a few weeks of some different stuff, we're back to live storytelling this episode with a show we recorded last night. Uh, This episode is called Wrong Adventure, part one of two, and it features incredible Chicago hip-hop artist Rich Jones and a collection of his friends and our friends doing some great, great stuff. This ep, you'll get pieces from Logan Dean, Adam Levin, Kelly Howard, and Kelly Opalco, plus music from myself, Katie Johnston-Smith, and Rich himself. Uh, Friends, today is the last day you can submit your nominations for the Best of Your Stories 2017 year-end show and podcast. Uh, I'll make sure to post the link to do that on our Facebook page, as well as in the notes for this episode on nerdalogs.com. But if you want to say in who gets featured in our live blowout and retrospective pod in December, make sure you get those noms in. Now, speaking of that, our next live show is that blowout, Sunday, December 17th, on the main stage at the Beat Kitchen. And we'll be bringing back a bunch of your favorite storytellers from the past year, plus a full live cover band to play our favorite songs of 2017. Tickets are available now at the Beat Kitchen's website, or you can follow the link through our own site and Facebook page. Uh, This is going to be a super great show, and we want to see as many people there as possible. Uh, Keep watching our Facebook page as we announce storytellers for the event. And I think that's all I've got for now, so settle in and get ready to enjoy the hell out of last night's show. Every night we have a special featured guest. The guest tonight is Mr. Rich Jones. You guys know yeah, Rich yeah, Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So Rich picked uh, picked the theme tonight, and he booked about half the show with his very talented friends. So the theme that we're doing is Wrong Adventure, which I really want to ask Rich why that was picked, and we'll get to that later. But uh, we always play some cover songs throughout the show to get people kind of on board. And so uh, we picked some songs that, if you Google like good songs from bad albums... That's the songs that we're playing. But there's kind of neat stories behind all of them, too. So, Katie, what's this first song? This is called Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. 
I guess the story behind it is it is not that other song by Modest Mouse, right? It is not. But can I, I realize there's another way that this song fits the Bad Adventure theme, because I actually didn't realize that people like didn't like the album it was attached to. But do you guys remember what product this was prominently featured in the commercials for? No. The PSP. Yeah. Talk about a wrong adventure. <laughs> what a what a piece of shit of a system. Was that like 2004? Uh, five. Five, yeah. yeah. You want to come back a little bit? So, or oh. I can just move the mic forward. We cool. got to hear your voice. Oh, yeah. Katie's the star of this show. I'm not. All right. Give it up for Katie, everybody. So here we go. Take me out.
No, my turn. Nice 2005. Kick. Nice kick. Oh, thank you. So, we're doing something tonight that doesn't happen often on the show, which is our, our special guest is also a musician, and so instead of playing a bunch of covers, we're just going to play a few, and we're also going to turn it over to this gentleman. So please give it up for the incredible Rich Jones. What's going on, guys? You guys doing good? Yeah. We're warm. We've got beverage and shit, yeah? Yeah. Cool. I can't go anywhere without my boombox radio. <laughs> Hold on, Joseph. That's all good. <coughs> Katie on tech tonight, It's available too. for 20 bucks on uh, Black Friday this week. <laughs> That's and probably true. I'm actually true. a new form of viral marketing for Walmart. Uh, <laughs> find local performers to chill. They have all the money. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put this here for you. Thanks, man. And it'll be good times. And it'll be good time When we learn to love again We'll be alright Spend too much time wondering When it'll be good times When it'll be good times again When it'll be good times When it'll be good times again Think I might be alright. I tell myself this every time I get knocked off my square. Life don't play fair, life don't play fair. Heard them talk the other night. Try not to listen, I fail. Think they're hatching up the scheme. Do I let them go clean? I think that maybe wanna push me where I didn't wish to go. I don't have time for magic tricks. Washes are wishing well. It's go, 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 run, 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 get after it as you can. It's bad enough, I feel behind. Need to pick me up, I'm on my way. Need to pick me up, I'm on my way. And it'll be good times when we learn to love again. We'll be alright. Spent too much time wondering when it'll be good times When it'll be good times again When it'll be good times When it'll be good times again Again Yeah, thank you Rich is awesome. Thank you for doing this night with us, man. You're awesome. helping us book the show. Aw. Rich is so sweet. Downstairs, he said some nice things about looking into my eyes, but I don't want to get you in trouble, bud. So we'll talk about that later. Him spanking me, Darla. <laughs> so, you guys want to hear some stories? You ready for this? So let's kick the night off with the regular of this show. Um, a really, really great storyteller, uh, noted DM in the Chicago scene. Uh, also a show producer, uh, soon to be podcaster, and he might be sleeping with somebody up on stage. I won't say which one. Please welcome Logan Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Katie would have said it if I didn't. So. <laughs> Hi. Hey. How's it going? Good. Great. Uh, 22 months ago, uh, my friend Brad kind of half-jokingly asked me if I wanted to get in his car and drive to Los Angeles in two days' time. Uh, and originally I said no, and then six hours later, out of your stories, I said yes. 
Um, because I didn't think I had enough adventure in my life. Um, so what follows is a loose list of occurrences that happened on the way to, from Chicago to Los Angeles, sponsored by Expedia.com. Um, so we left Chicago at it, like 9.30 p.m. to drive to St. Louis uh, in like the middle of January, end of January, and almost died 15 times just on the way to St. Louis. The only thing that saved us was a bottle of Mexican Coke that I bought at Mariano's to keep Brad awake on that last like hour stretch into St. Louis. Um, we did not have anywhere to stay, so I booked a hotel on XPDA.com, which would become a running theme for the next five days. Uh, we got to St. Louis and crashed out really hard in like the nicest Hyatt hotel room I've ever seen for like 80 bucks it was crazy and then we left st louis and got barbecue and then drove to merrimack caverns which are just a cavern attraction that was under construction i did not know caverns could be under construction <laughs> but this one was so we got to hang out in the gift shop of merrimack caverns and then brad snuck into merrimack caverns and i lost him and i Got freaked out for a little bit. Uh, side caveat note, I don't have a driver's license. Um, that's kind of a big deal. So I'm literally just in this trip to sit next to Brad to make sure he doesn't die. <laughs> Which almost happened a few more times. So on the way from Merrimack Caverns, I booked a uh, campground outside of Oklahoma City at a KOA, Campgrounds of America. Um, don't stay at KOAs. They're garbage. <laughs> like, find a private campsite. Like, this one was terrible. We got to the KOA in the middle of the night. I dropped the deposit in the door, and then we set up our tent, and there was someone listening to metal music, like, two campsites away, uh, really loudly, and proceeded to listen to it all night long. Um, I think that guy might have been dead. <laughs> because neither of us slept, because all we heard all night was, like, mega death. <laughs> um, from the campground in Oklahoma City we got up and left and went and got breakfast and then we went to a pawn shop in Oklahoma City Oklahoma City is kind of what I imagine one of the sprawl cities from Judge Dredd to be like um, it's just all freeway and then we, we ate at Oklahoma City's third highest rated restaurant on Yelp a Whole Foods um, and then uh, and then hauled ass to Albuquerque because we had booked a show that night so uh, we got to Albuquerque at 9pm and parked down the street from the hotel or from the show and uh, Brad did a bunch of bizarre sketches that had a lot to do with um, Satanism and the occult um, which I thought were hilarious and then uh, they asked me if I wanted to do a set uh, we did not know how high in elevation Albuquerque, New Mexico is and proceeded to drink two bottles of wine each before we went on stage. Um, I don't remember this set at all. I just remember that the stage was a porch and I got a lot of novelty out of it being a porch. Um, I think I asked for a sweet tea at some point. Uh, then we had made a plan for the next day to drive from Albuquerque, New Mexico to the Grand Canyon. I had never seen the Grand Canyon. Brad had never seen the Grand Canyon. We were going way out of our way to Los Angeles to see the Grand Canyon. Uh, so we raced a snowstorm to the Grand Canyon. And on the way, I really had to go to the bathroom after stopping at a truck stop to go to the bathroom and not going to the bathroom. <laughs> the only place to go was a place that we had seen advertised for the last couple days called Knife City. Knife City is a stout brick building in the middle of the desert 
full of knives. <laughs> and it is run by the two sweetest old ladies I've ever met. And they wouldn't let me use the bathroom without buying something. <laughs> so if we go, if we fast forward to the end of the, the, the trip, I'm going to LA and then flying immediately back. I can't buy a knife at Knife City because I'll never get it on the plane. So I bought a beer koozie, a leather beer koozie. And I went to the bathroom, uh, and across from me was a full suit of armor, which is intimidating. Um, also, they gave me the key to the bathroom, and it was attached to a Tonto, which is a small samurai sword. And the bathroom was unlocked. So I don't... <laughs> um, so I get to the car, I look at the beer koozie. It's a leather beer koozie. It says, it's got an outline of the state of uh, Arizona, and it says, Arizona, we don't call 911. It's got a gun coming out. It's my favorite thing in the world. Because, like, what happens if somebody gets sick? Um, so we race this snowstorm to the Grand Canyon. We get there right before the park closes at sundown, and this snowstorm comes in and takes the Grand Canyon away from us. We're standing there and looking at this void of white. It's incredible. Uh, but we also have quickly realized that we're not going to be able to get out of the little Grand Canyon town before this snowstorm blocks us in. So I book a Best Western off of Expedia.com. And it's... Also, like, the nicest Best Western I've ever seen. (laughs) It's really great. But they make you buy a pass when you go to any of the national parks that's good for a few days. Um, So the next morning we woke up and we decided to go back to the Grand Canyon and see it with all this fresh snow on it. And it was one of the most magical experiences I've ever had. Because we drove a little bit up past the main tourist area and there's no railing. You can just kind of hang out and see the majesty. And if you look down... The snow didn't even get to the bottom. Like It's still summer down there. It was incredible. And then Brad proceeded to almost fall into it four or five times. Uh, to which I yelled, Bradley! And he would stop and look at me like I was his mom. <laughs> so then we just hauled ass to L.A. the rest of the time. Um, we got to L.A. really late, and I crashed on his floor, and we woke up the next morning, and he took me to see the Pacific. And I stood in the Pacific and kind of like gazed out at the end of this journey that we had just gotten together and saw, I think it's like when, when the settlers finally got all the way to the West Coast, they saw the expanse of the ocean, they just realized, okay, well, not going to cross that. Um, it was like that majesty like filled me up. And then I got on my plane and I listened to Andrew, to, uh, Andrew WK, Andrew Bird's <laughs> Hands of Glory the whole time on the flight back and just kind of like cried because I realized like I had finally found that adventure I was looking for. Thanks. Aww. Thank you, Logan. Logan Dean, everybody. Uh, this is a really morbid tag to that story, but I, I was at the Grand Canyon of, uh, about a year ago, too, and I Googled, because I was curious, because, yeah, it's weird to me that they don't have a railing, how many people have actually fallen into the Grand Canyon? It's not nearly as many as you think, but for sure the most tragic story is, why am I saying this right now? But it's, you know, that kind of ironic Alanis Morissette sings about where it was a dad trying to pretend for his family like he was going to fall, and he was, like, doing acrobatics on the ledge, and he slipped and fell. So, hey, if you're a dad or anybody, don't do that shit. Just respect the canyon. It will kill you. Coming next to the stage, so like I said, Rich helped book this show tonight. He's got a bunch of really talented friends in the audience. Starting with this gentleman, uh, he is a, a rapper and a teacher of spoken word poetry. Please welcome Adam Levin. Thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, my next mixtape is called Respect the Canyon. So I appreciate <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. I appreciate that. Um, all right, cool. So I had a story prepared. Uh, and then I saw something on Instagram, so I decided to not do that story. <laughs> so I'll just tell you the one that I got. So 13 years ago, 
Um, first, before I start the story, are there any NBA fans in here? Any basketball yeah. fans? All right, cool. We got a handful. All right. So 13 years ago today, we are in Michigan because my mom's whole side of the family lives all throughout that state. Um, and we're in the suburbs of Detroit, which are desolate uh, and godforsaken. And there's far too many Little Caesars pizzas um, <laughs> in the suburbs of Detroit. So um, we're visiting family. And uh, we stopped by this bar to see my Uncle Jimmy. Um, and my Uncle Jimmy used to take us to see Pistons games when the Bulls were terrible from like 1999 through 2002, 2003. And they were courtside seats because he worked for an insurance company that sponsored the team. So I used to like talk shit to the players and they used to talk shit back to me. And it was amazing. It was a phenomenal experience. Um, and so we were there. We weren't planning to go see a game, even though we kind of made it an annual thing. And my uncle was like, here, you guys can take my tickets for the, for tonight's game. I don't really want to go. Um, they're really good seats, seven rows up from the floor. Enjoy yourself. So it was me, uh, my two younger brothers, Aaron and Gabe, and my dad. So we go to the game, and the Pistons were playing the Indiana Pacers. And, uh, and the Pacers, don't get ahead of me, people. And the Pacers and the Pistons at the time had probably the fiercest rivalry in sports. Like, as somebody who rooted for the Pistons, I hated the Pacers. I hated the whole state of Indiana, you know? That, that didn't have nothing to do with basketball. But anyway, uh, so we go uh, and we're watching a game, and it's a tightly contested game throughout. And a guy who played for the Pacers uh, was named Ron Artest. Now he's known as Metal World Peace. At the time, Ron Artest was maybe the weirdest person in the NBA. Like, strangest, had the shortest temper. Um, and about halfway through the game, I noticed that when the Pistons were shooting free throws, Artest was at half court uh, talking, allegedly, to Rip Hamilton, who was the Pistons' starting shooting guard. But then as Rip Hamilton slowly backed away from him, we realized that Ron Artest was just talking to himself. Like, he was just having a conversation with himself. And he appeared to be losing the argument somehow. Uh, he just looked, he was just very frustrated and very angry. And Rip Hamilton was just shaking his head like, yo, <laughs> coach, take me out and have somebody else guard this motherfucker for the rest of the game. Uh, so we're watching it, and, and it's really, really close throughout. And then uh, around the fourth quarter, the Pacers start pulling away. And all of the fans in the arena got drunker and drunker. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard the white Michigan accent, but it's like if you take Tony Soprano's accent and then like the super fans from Saturday Night Live's accent, and then you crossbreed them in a Petri dish, that's what every white person from Michigan sounds like. And it's horrible. And they were yelling at the tops of their voices. They were losing it. They were, like, talking shit about the players and the players' kids. It was really ugly. And it just kept going. And then it got worse in the fourth quarter. And people kept drinking. So it just kept getting worse. And there was, like, a minute and a half left in the game. And Ben Wallace, who is the Pistons center, was going up for a layup. The Pacers had the game, like, 15 points ahead. They were not. The Pistons were not going to win. Ben Wallace goes for a layup. And Ron Artest shoves him in the neck. And he just flies backwards like this. And then Ben Wallace turns around. And Ben Wallace is like four inches taller. And like at the time, one of the toughest dudes in the NBA. And Artest 
looks at him and realizes that he just shoved Ben fucking Wallace in the neck and just backs up to half court. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. Like, my bad. I'm just going to avoid it. And at that point, the fans were booing extra hard. It was crazy. It was pandemonium in the arena. And Artest goes and he lays down on the scores table like it's a day at the beach. And he's just basking in it. He's just talking to the audience. He takes, like, the, the color commentator's headset and puts it on and starts talking on the radio. Um, and then one cup of beer flies out of nowhere and hits him in the chest. And it was like a trigger because all of a sudden popcorn came flying out everywhere. Bottles like shit started and Artest jumped up. As soon as that cup of beer hit his chest, Artest jumped up, ran into the stands and punched the first fan he saw in the face and then right after that Steven Jackson who was his teammate David Harrison they were jumping into the stands fighting people Um, Rasheed Wallace who is like typically known as one of the biggest troublemakers in the NBA was pulling people out of the stands to keep them from fighting and that's how you know shit was real right (laughs) pulling players out Uh, and I had run down as soon as he laid on the scores table I'd run down to about two rows up from the floor, and we were on the other, we were on the same side as the scorer's table, but like two sections over, so I was far enough away. And I'd been yelling shit at Ron Artest, like just trying to, I was a teenager and fucking stupid, so I was like, this dude's never gonna do nothing to me, so I can just yell whatever. And then as soon as he ran into the stands, I was like, oh no. Uh, and I heard my dad go, Adam! Right? And my dad's just like 6'4", like intimidating. He looks like he could have been a stunt double on NYPD Blue and shit. <laughs> so like I run back because I don't want to upset him. I run back. And at the time, I'm, four, I'm 15 years old, but I'm still like 6'2", 200-something. I'm a bigger kid. And my dad grabbed the hood of my jacket, right? And have you ever seen the toy cranes and like Toy Story and then bowling <laughs> alleys and shit? And my dad lifted me off of my feet moved me to the right and planted me in the aisle right as two dudes and like a dozens of others were like rushing the floor to fight NBA players. And all of the security guards in the arena, like at youngest was like 65 years old. So they'd all turned around and run away. So uh, I saw Jermaine O'Neal, who was the center on the Pacers, um, slid into a punch and knocked this dude out right in front of us. Um, it was crazy. And then I, I don't think I realized until after the game the impact that it had because my dad was convinced that Ron Artest was going to be banned from the NBA for life. It was crazy. It was on Center. It was nuts. Um, and I remember my little brother got hit with like a plastic, an empty plastic Diet Dr. Pepper bottle and just started crying inexplicably. He got hit in the ankle he was like, <laughs> he was 12 years old. He was not a casualty of war, you know what I mean? But he still, uh, he was very upset. And then after that, he and my other little brother were like crying in the car. Um, and I was still processing all of it. And uh, one of my brothers, like my dad had it on the radio. And one of my brothers was like, dad, I can't listen to this. Please turn it off. And my dad was like, okay. And he turns it off. And then he's like, dad? My dad's like, yeah. And he was like, can I use your cell phone? My dad was like, why? And he goes, I want to tell all my friends back home that I just saw that happen. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was at the Malice at the Palace 13 years ago today, and that's my story. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody. Yeah, man. Wow, that's intense. Uh, as someone who used to live in Northwest Indiana, let me tell you, you're not wrong to hate Indiana at all. 
Uh, sorry, Katie. You are wrong. They hate the pastry. Katie loves. Who do you love, Katie? Reggie Miller. Loves Reggie Miller. Love your facts. I do like Reggie. Yeah. I also vividly remember that game, and um, did a lot of fan fiction about Ron Artest's rap career. Is that true? <laughs> yes. All right, you're reading that in our next fan fiction episode. Can I, can I add a fact about Ron Artest? Hell yeah. Yeah. The first pickup game Ron Artest ever played in was in Queensbridge in New York. He saw somebody get stabbed to death with a table leg. What? <laughs> wow. And with that, Adam. What a career. Adam's got to get back home, guys. Give it up for Adam. Thank you guys so much. All right, we're going to do two more stories, and we're going to take a short break, starting with a newcomer to this show. She hosts her own podcast named Kelly Talks. You might recognize her from shows like Fox Last, Laughs or Last Comic Standing. Please welcome Kelly Howard. Oh my God, this is going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> so, wrong adventure. Well, a little tidbit about me. I'm super cheap. Um, so cheap that I hated getting my nails done, so I married an Asian. I was like, I'm tired of paying for it. Um, that's a terrible joke. But my husband is Asian, so I can say that. <laughs> half Japanese, half Chinese. Still all Asian. Uh, and it works, too, because we get in arguments around the house. <laughs> and I'd be like, hold up, bro, is this really about me? Or are you having a little international conflict? <laughs> I don't know. Go sit down. Um, so my wrong adventure has been with our sex life, right? It's been very interesting. People think, I don't know what you think married sex life is like, but if you're not married, it gets different. It just happens. It just, my sex drive left, and she has not returned. I don't know what is happening. So I've been doing some, some expanding, right? I've been looking online, trying to find ways to heighten my sexual energy, and I came across this thing called a yoni egg. Does anybody know what that is? Okay, so we got two freaks right here. These two dogs are like, yeah, we know what that is. We know what that is. Everybody else is like, yoni egg. So... Annette, originally, yoni egg was made for um, to strengthen the pelvic floor muscle in a woman's vagina, right? You would place it in, kind of like a weight, and you would kegel with it, and it would strengthen the pelvic floor muscle. But apparently, some chick in New Orleans put like a bunch of them in a big black pot and poured like some purple Kool-Aid over it, said a prayer, I don't know. But... <laughs> It heightens your sexual energy now. <laughs> so I bought one off YouTube. <laughs> and I was so excited, right? I was like, oh my God, when I get this, this is going to save my marriage, right? Because you don't want to get cheated on again. So <laughs> watch out now. <laughs> oh my God, I was so mad too. I don't think I would have been mad if she was Asian though. I'd have been like, oh, I get it. You're going home. Have fun. But she was black. I was like, I will not tolerate this. <laughs> um, oh my God, if she was Asian, I'd be like, come in for tea. How are you? She was black. I was all on her Instagram like, oh my God, she do lashes? Who is this bitch? Okay, back to the story. So <laughs> I get carried away because I'm a stand-up by nature, so I just want to go into other shit that I want to talk about. So back to what I'm saying. So um, I'm online. I'm looking up ways to heighten your sexual energy, right? So I get this yoni egg. I'm super excited about it. I go in. I rinse it off with a little Summer's Eve, right? I'm like, it's, it's going to get cracking, right? <laughs> Uh, and I'm looking for the string because it's supposed to come with a little silicone string. That's how you take it out, like a tampon, right? You just pull it. And mine didn't have one. But at the same time, I'm super ambitious. So I was like, fuck it. I'm right in, right? I just let it have it. Um, 
And I felt so confident. All day, I'm walking around. I'm, like, placing orders at Starbucks and shit. Like, yeah, let me get a matcha green tea. Grande. Like, I just felt like I was so much sexier. Like, I was Jessica Rabbit or some shit walking around. So I got home. My husband was home already from work. I was like, oh, this is time. I need to go in and push this push this out right so we can get it cracking and uh i'm thinking the whole time like how hard could it be to lay an egg right (laughs) Um, it's hard as fuck to lay an egg i'm here to tell you it's very difficult (laughs) it is not how easy like chickens make it seem so i'm in there and i'm pushing i'm pelvic thrusting right nothing's happening i'm doing all types of kegling nothing's happening so i'm like oh shit it's stuck so I had to go back online and Google ways to unstuck a yoni egg, right? <laughs> and let me just say, there's hundreds of these videos. So clearly this is a fucking problem. <laughs> Somebody needs to regulate these wild yoni eggs. <laughs> this is too much. They all, all the videos say the same thing. They say squat down like this, take these two fingers, stick them inside, cuff them, and then pull it out, right? Let me tell you about these two fingers. <laughs> these two fingers ain't good for shit. But smoking a cigarette and playing rock, paper, scissors. That's it. That's all. They're not getting no goddamn yoni egg. Because I'm sitting there, I'm trying to pull the yoni egg out. And it just kept reminding me of my, my dad's love when I was a child. You know what I mean? Like, present but distant. You know what I'm saying? Just not quite grasped. Like, kept slipping. Come on, daddy. I just, anyway, I don't know. Don't know why I'm talking about my daddy and my vagina. We're going to move on. So, so I'm like, okay, this thing is really stuck. I cannot get it. I have no choice. I got to tell my husband, right? So I go and I let him know. I'm like, babe, look, I got an egg stuck in me. Don't say shit. I did this for you. I need your help getting it out. And do you know that me and this man had a 15-minute argument on why the length of his fingers was too short to fit the depth of my vagina <laughs> in order to help me get this damn egg out. I was like, you really not going to help me get this egg out? He was like, I can get some chopsticks. I don't know what you want me to do. So after that, um, Northwestern Clinic <laughs> ended up helping me lay my egg. That is what happened. I walked in. It was so embarrassing, too. Not for me, for them. <laughs> because I was kind of like, I knew exactly what I needed. I was like, hey, yo, look, I got the egg up in me. I need you to give me signs in. <laughs> register me and she was like an egg I'm like you can google the shit later it's been three days okay man I don't know if this thing gonna multiply I have a dozen eggs in me by the end of the week <laughs> give me signs in so she gets me registered I get to the back and the doctor is like 12 years old he's the youngest doctor I've ever seen in my life he's so young and he's so uncomfortable you can tell because he's like so just Stuck right up in there, huh? Just, you know, he's trying to grab the specula, and, you know, the clear or steel thing, depending on your insurance. It's like a little duck beak. Um, and I'm laughing the whole time, but you could tell he's nervous and he's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, dude, just do your job. But it looks to me like a duck is coming back to retrieve its property. You know? like, How dare you <laughs> steal from me? So I'm laughing. Finally, he get the egg out. I'm relieved. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. It's been three days, you know. And uh, I was fine until he brought me back my discharge papers, which said foreign object stuck in vagina. And that pissed me off. (laughs) Because uh, the Yoni egg was not a foreign object. First of all, I bought that shit from New Orleans. (laughs) You know what I mean? That is from the USA. Um, So that is my... 
wrong adventure. I thought it was going to be a sex craze, and it turned out to be a stuck egg that sits in front of Buddha now. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I've been Kelly Howard. Kelly Howard, everybody. And if you decide to look me up or anything, my name is spelled like Kanye, but Kelye. So it's K-E-L-L-Y-E. That's true. That is true. Thank you, Kelly. You guys all learned something about what not, like products not to buy, maybe, or at least some precautions to take if you buy them. I know I did. <laughs> all right, we have one more story this half. Then we're going to take a short break from one Kelly to another. This Kelly is a producer at the Machine Culture Collective uh, group of podcasts, which is really excellent. Also, a producer at Chicago X Fest, which, like, let's be real, there's more than one person in this room who thinks that Chicago Sketch Fest is a little bit of a sham, and uh, you shouldn't support it. But Chicago X Fest, which actually pays its performers and isn't run by a misogynistic creep, is probably a good thing to support. So, with that said, please welcome Kelly Opalco. Wow, what an intro, thank you um, So wrong adventure I wanted to tell a story about a literal wrong adventure I went on uh, The night I learned the hard way Not to go to a third bar with my co-workers Because uh, we ended up at a club where someone got stabbed And I made out with someone from our closing department Right afterwards But I wanted to talk about like a bigger existential, like, abstract wrong adventure. So I'm going to tell you about my 10-year high school reunion. Um, I was super excited to go back for my 10-year high school reunion because I am a shitty person. Um, (laughs) I grew up Catholic, and I was very aware in high school that I was an outsider, not because I did marching band and not because I really enjoyed doing drama club and not because I liked watching Strangers with Candy on Comedy Central. I was super weird and an outsider because I didn't like Jesus. And I was like, maybe Jesus isn't as cool as everyone else thinks he is. Um, I did 13 years at Catholic school. um, And this is right around the same time when I was thinking in high school, yeah, I'm not like really for spending all my free time with him. (laughs) Um, So it was very clear to me that in high school, everyone else was doing the right thing and I was doing the wrong thing because I was doing the thing they did not want to do. Uh, And now as an adult, I am proud of my life choices. I don't regret a lot of the things I've done. I do regret some of the things I did at that third bar with my coworkers. However, uh, I enjoy what I'm doing now here in Chicago. Uh, So as soon as I got the invite on Facebook to go to the high school reunion, I texted my best friend from high school, Eileen, and I said, I'm coming back and we're going to this. Um, Tiny side story, Eileen and I have been best friends since the second day of high school because we were in the same theology class, and we had the opportunity to uh, ask a priest uh, anonymous questions about religion in general, and my question was, wrote it on paper, put it in the hat, what's wrong with earth-based religions like Wicca? (laughs) And the priest said, well, you answered the question in your question. It's earth-based. Moving on. And in band class that day, Eileen came up to me and said, did you answer that? Did you ask that question? I was not satisfied with the answer. I said I wasn't either. And she's like, well, we're friends now. <laughs> uh, we also both played clarinet, so that helped. Um, but looking back, um, I've always felt a lot different than the people I went to high school with, and social media has made that much worse because everyone puts everything they want people to see on social media. Uh, so when I moved out here, I saw the life I was supposed to live, according to my family and friends and the community I grew up in. So I saw 
what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Every time I did a sketch show, I saw Jessica get engaged. And every time I put up a new podcast on our network, it was Ashley Marie had a beautiful Pinterest perfect wedding. (laughs) And uh, the day I realized I needed two hands to count the number of years I've been producing comedy and theater in Chicago, a friend from back home celebrated the birth of her first daughter. After having had two sons before that. Um, and I, I wasn't looking forward to, like, the reunion to, like, go shit on people. You know, I have the Amy Poehler mentality of great for you, not for me kind of ideal. Um, I didn't want to go back and look down. On, I, did, I do not look down on anybody who's made the choices with their life. Uh, I was hoping to go back and show them what I've been doing in the hopes that they would not be looking down on me anymore. Uh so I went back. Labor Day weekend came around. I got on the mega bus. I had a new dress from Old Navy and a bottle of wine hidden in my backpack. I'm like, I'm going to make this trip home. And Eileen and I hung out. We did what we do best. We drank black coffee and went to use bookstores the whole day. Uh, and the reunion rolled around. Um, and we kind of naively didn't think of this, but on a Saturday night in the suburbs, people with kids don't go out and do things. So all the judgmental Catholic people weren't at the reunion. <laughs> it was everyone else who was single and kind of like figuring things out, but still lived in the suburbs because it's cheaper. And it was a really great time. It felt like an asshole kind of because it was all everyone other people who was, you know, I had classmates who had come out in the past 10 years, brought their boyfriends. And I had friends who had also pursued, you know, MFAs and degrees in art and were kind of just doing office jobs to make ends meet. Um we were also enjoying $4 drinks of the month from the local brewery. Um, my one shining moment of the reunion was that there was a door prize and they needed someone to be loud enough to talk over the people who come into the bar. And I went, Eileen, hold my beer. Let me be loud. <laughs> and I announced those ticket winners with all of my theater degrees. And people asked, well, what do you do with your life? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, I act I'm like, oh, I thought you were a teacher. You're so commanding. Um, And it was nice to go back because, in the end, it was a good time. It was nice to catch up with people. And it was also great to see that nobody else was really living in the past. It was kind of just trying to enjoy that we were all people in a room hanging out together who hadn't seen each other in about 10 years. Um, And it was just uh, really nice to be reaffirmed that it's not necessarily that I'm on the wrong adventure. I'm just living a different one from a lot of the other people that we went to school with. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all out there, did you go to your, your 10-year high school reunion? I, I did not. Mine was bullshit. So it was uh, an $84 ticket, and it got you two drinks and hors d'oeuvres, and it was in my school's gym. And I went to, I went to a very nice, like, a, a pretty nice private high school in the South Chicago suburbs, and that was what they were doing for us. I certainly did not go to that. It's fine. That's what Facebook is for, right? It's fine. Uh, we're going to do another cover song that we didn't write from an al- like a good song off a bad album. Uh, this band has an interesting wrong adventure story. So kind of from the minute they came out, uh, everyone hated them, like the uh, press and other bands especially. They had a big br- beef with Brandon Flowers and the Killers. Uh, this is the bravery. And I think they hit it just the right time where it seemed like all they were doing was imitating uh, more popular bands and kind of Brandon Flowers' ammo for this uh, this accusation was that the singer for the Bravery used to be in a ska band 
And he said, how can you make music like us if you love ska? It just doesn't make sense. But why I bring that up is because, do you want to guess the name of the singer ska band? It's really good. Skaba the Hut. That is totally true. So it turns out that Unplugged the Bravery sounds a little bit like if New Order did uh, MTV Unplugged, which is fine. Uh, one, two, three, four... People that don't mean a thing to you, they move right through you, just like your breath. But sometimes I still think of you, and I just wanted to, just wanted you to know my Super sweet key and guitar arrangement by yours well, truly. That was a whole orchestra. That was a whole orchestra <laughs> that you just heard, listeners at home. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.